0: The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints from the marrow and is a critic of all thoughts and intents of the heart. All scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God might be mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing. The Word of Truth. Once again, open the Word of Truth this morning to the book of 1 Timothy. We have wrapped up in Acts 17, so we will return to the true subject of our study, 1 Timothy, and we're in chapter 1, verse 4. Again, uh, verse 4 says, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. And now we'll turn our attention to the second half of verse 4, which says the following. Such things, uh, such things being the myths and endless genealogies, the umbrella of false doctrine, such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The purpose of our study for the next, uh, for at least the rest of today, and, and most likely uh, into next week as well, will be the difference between the controversial speculations of false doctrine and the doctrine of faith, true faith in the one true and living God. So we'll study the difference between controversial speculations and the doctrine of faith. Getting to controversial speculations, uh, what we have is one word that is translated as two words. Controversial speculations is the accusative feminine plural exeitesis. Ex-a-tasis. E-K-Z-A-Y-T-A-Y-S-I-S E-K-Z-A-Y-T-A-Y-S-I-S This is the only time in the New Testament and the Septuagint that this word is used, so we have very little by way of uh, other context to judge this word, but we need to break it down into its component parts which we do have a little more context on so point one <clears throat> exetasis is from the root zeteo. And I'll put this up on the stand too however you'll need to uh, ignore the English written under here it's z-a-y-t-e-o z-a-y-t-e-o I don't know why I wrote o here so uh, do as I say not as I uh, am showing <laughs> Um, From the root zayteo, Z-A-Y-T-E-O. Exatesis is from the root zayteo, meaning to seek, to look for, to desire. To seek, to look for, and to desire. That's point one. Secondly, and again, I'm going to put something up on the board that you're going to have to ignore slightly. Uh, but stay with me. I apologize. Uh, secondly, it is the opposite of epizayteo, or E-P-I-Z-A-Y-T-E-O. Again, ignore this O. This is, uh, call that sleep deprivation. Uh, we'll call that uh, my eight-month-old is, uh, has a cold and has not been sleeping well. It is the opposite of epizayteo, E-P-I-Z-A-Y-T-E-O, meaning to seek after. So, exetasis is from zetao, and it's the opposite of epizetao, meaning to seek after. So, epizetao, to seek after, to seek after something. This is a, a verb that would have a direct object or an indirect object. So, it's the opposite of seeking after something. So, from context, we can determine if it's the opposite of that, it, mean, it means we're really seeking after nothing there is no light at the end of that tunnel of exotesis. Point three. Instead, controversial speculations denote seeking, looking, and desiring that is pointless. Controversial speculations denote seeking, looking, and desiring that is pointless. So if we have ebi zeto, which means seeking after something of value, of substance, we can contrast that with the first word that we looked at, exetasis. Exatasis means to seek after something, to look for something, to desire something that does not exist. It's, that's, that's the controversial and controversial speculations. It's speculation that does not have a source or uh, a true object of the speculating. Point four. Striving after exeotasis will only lead to confusion, distraction, and idolatry. Striving after exotesis will only lead to confusion, distraction, and idolatry. And by way of application, we saw this very point in our last service when we were talking about the myth of self-obsession. Right, I stated that when you strive after self-obsession, when you focus inwardly to a fault, there's nothing at the end of that pursuit. You'll keep pursuing something that does not exist. It, in and of itself, the myth of self-obsession, like the myth of First Timothy chapter one, is meaningless. It is it, it It is a controversial speculation. It's a speculation that has no basis in reality, essentially. So even though this is uh, one word, it produces a whole plethora of meanings when we break down the word into its subsequent parts uh, and establish that controversial speculations, again, will only lead to confusion, distraction, and idolatry itself. Let's take a look at uh, that phrase, uh, controversial speculations causing confusion specifically. The false teachers in 1 Timothy 1 sought to confuse and distract believers. Satan uses false doctrine to confuse and distract believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is one of the primary reasons why protection against false doctrine is so important for pastor teachers, especially in, and including Timothy in this book of the Bible. The false teachers seek to distract. They seek to cause confusion because when there is confusion in the mind and the soul of a believer, there is no spiritual advance. A believer cannot effectively advance spiritually while he or she is confused. And this confusion is obvious to the believers who uh, have some... uh, some discretion and some ability to discern, some discernment, some wisdom from Bible doctrine, the ability to perceive true from false doctrine. But interestingly, the confusion from the believers in reversionism, from the believers following after full steam ahead into false doctrine, they won't see their own confusion. So in effect, and this is important, they're blinded by their confusion. They're blinded from the fact that they do not have accurate biblical material in front of them. Again, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's nothing of substance that can be grasped from these controversial speculations. At the end of the myth of self-obsession is meaninglessness. At the end of the myth of division obsession is meaninglessness. At the end of the myth that we saw in Acts 17, to an unknown God, all these sacrifices to known and unknown gods is meaninglessness. Instead, as proclaimers, as believers of true Bible doctrine, we know that we can be armed with uh, material that is not confusing whatsoever, but instead is exceedingly clear. That's the great thing uh, about Bible doctrine. When you let the Bible speak for itself, instead of taking a verse here or a verse there out of context and using it to apply to one's circumstances without thought for what the original meaning of the text is, when you let God speak for himself, the message of Bible doctrine is incredibly clear. Uh, I have this conversation with uh, un- un- unbelieving relatives of mine consistently where they'll, they'll you know, ask, uh, and this is not just relatives of mine, this is all unbelievers that I talk to, uh, they'll ask about you know, what I'm teaching at church and, and w- what that's like, and I'll share with them, and their response is something to the effect of, often uh, something to the effect of, well, that's just your interpretation. Your interpretation is that you know uh, what we studied at our last communion service. I am the the true vine. Or Jesus saying, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Your interpretation is that that means that Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's just your interpretation. Uh, what I try to tell them is first ask them a question. Well, have you read John chapter fifteen? Have you read John chapter seven? Uh, have you actually read the passages that I'm Referencing Often the answer is no, but if you take time, the five minutes that's required to read these people, just the word of God itself, they're often uh, not able to produce an alternative interpretation for you right on the spot there. This is my point. When the Bible speaks for itself, uh, it is exceedingly clear. It's known as the perspicuity of Scripture. The the clear interpretation is what we are seeking after... Uh, And just because we spend uh, at Living Word Bible Church a lot more time dedicated to, you know, the component parts of Bible doctrine, the component words and phrases that make up the scripture that we're studying, doesn't mean that we're chasing a hidden meaning. Instead, we are opening up each verse and each word and learning what that word contributes to the word of God itself, the overall word of God. So we're not chasing our interpretation, this interpretation versus that interpretation. Instead, we are letting Scripture speak for itself. When God speaks for himself, when the Bible speaks for itself, the message, when, when received in faith, is exceedingly clear. But for uh, recipients of false doctrine... Or recipients of myths and endless genealogies, there is nothing but confusion that awaits them. They can steep themselves in the myths of culture, in the myth of self-obsession, for example, and they will not find any answers that are meaningful. So that is controversial. Speculations. But notice that controversial speculations are contrasted by Paul with what? If we look at the end of verse 4, such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is what? By faith. Controversial speculations are the opposite of faith. Oftentimes, uh, again, unbelievers will uh, accuse believers in the Lord Jesus Christ of having this kind of blind faith. Well, how do you know that that your uh, what what they would think of as controversial speculations? How do you know that that's based in reality but this other thing isn't based in reality? And the reason is that there're entirely two different aspects for believing something. Believing exeatasis, believing controversial speculations and believing from faith are two vastly different things. In fact, we're going to look again at a word that we studied uh, in the uh, past few weeks to illustrate this point further. The word is this. Pistis. Pistis. P-I-S-T-I-S. That is faith. Pistis is uh, translated here faith. So controversial speculations are the exact opposite of pistis. In fact, you can uh, write down that exatesis or controversial speculations are the opposite of pistis or faith. The last time we looked at the doctrine of faith, faith as a word, we were uh, discussing uh, the uh, second verse of 1 Timothy 1. To Timothy, my true son in the faith, uh, and here that word appears again. And uh, just as a reminder, faith uh, was treated more as confidence or more of assurance of a coming reality than this blind faith concept that really is embodied in controversial speculations. Faith is not blind belief. Faith is an informed perspective from the Bible an assurance of a coming reality. Assurance of a coming reality, or rather a confidence. So the book of Hebrews describes faith and really defines faith in a way that I think is helpful for all of us. And that is that uh, Hebrews says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and I'll teach you a little mnemonic. I took a, uh, I I went to a a Northwestern University, which is a a, a secular school these days. It was founded as a Methodist school, but I uh, was curious about kind of what they taught about the Bible and how how a Bible class at a secular school uh, would be. So as one of my general education requirements back in college, this was, I think, my sophomore year, so it would have been 2012, 2000, no, not 2012, 2000. Uh, Yeah, 2012-2013, I took a class on the New Testament. Um, And the one thing that I'll never forget from that class is this mnemonic on faith. So F-A-I-T-H, faith, F, is the assurance, A, of things, T, hoped for, H. So if you just skip over the I, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. There's a little mnemonic for you to always remember that verse. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What Hebrews is what the author of Hebrews is saying, and what Paul here means when he's contrasting controversial speculations with faith itself, is that these two things could not be more different. Faith is the assurance or the confidence in a coming reality. The things you hope for, you can be assured of by faith. We know this as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ as believers who have faith both backwards and forwards. We look backwards 2,000 years to the cross and to the biblical narrative that composes uh, Jesus' life and ministry, the ministry of the beginning of the church age, which we're studying in the book of 1 Timothy, the whole uh, aspect of the Old Testament. Uh, We look backwards and express faith in the faith perception that we receive from the ministry of Jesus Christ. And we also have faith in a forward-pointing direction, for we know that Jesus will return again, that Jesus will come back and establish his kingdom on this earth before the earth is ultimately destroyed. And as Revelation 21 puts it, uh, the new heavens and the new earth will be established. And uh, as as a believer in Jesus Christ, you will reign with Christ forever and ever. You will live uh, in the presence of God forever and ever, while those uh, who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will uh, endure uh, the punishment, the eternal punishment of hell. So we have faith pointed both backwards in the Uh, historically verifiable resurrection of Jesus Christ in all of the aspects of the Old Testament, which we have convincing proofs for, both from a historical perspective and even in uh, in certain cases from an archaeological perspective or a scientific perspective, we can establish proofs of who God is and what God has done throughout human history. We can look at uh, archaeological evidence for an intelligent designer, We can look at archaeological evidence for the flood uh, in in some cases. We can look at all of these things that point to the fact that our faith is not a controversial speculation, but rather the assurance of things hoped for. And we can apply that same faith in a forward-looking direction towards the new heavens and the new earth, towards the return of Christ so faith perception, the means by which we take in spiritual information, the means by which we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, could not be more separate from, uh, from ex from controversial speculations. These things are opposites in the scripture, and we should treat them as opposites in our study. And let's get a little taste of the goal of faith and the goal of Paul's command as we move into verse 5 briefly by way of introduction. Verse 5 says, The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. There's that word again, faith. So what Paul is saying is that the goal of his instruction to command certain people not to teach false doctrine any longer, command certain people not to devote themselves to myths, to endless genealogies, to controversial speculations, all of that is rooted in love, in impersonal love, in love that is not predicated on who a person is or what a person does, but a love that abides in even beyond all of those things. This is important because we live in a culture that believes that it is advocating for a form of love. Live and let live is the prevailing doctrine of love in our culture. To love someone is to affirm their way of life, not just to tolerate it, but the redefinition of tolerance, which is acceptance and agreement to someone's lifestyle. So if someone is living in an inherently unbiblical manner, according to our culture, in order to love them, you have to not only tolerate them, but agree with their lifestyle. Paul here says that commanding people not to teach false doctrine, that caring about what actually is taught in the church is grounded in love, in a true sense of love. So we see the distinction not only between controversial speculations and faith, but between our culture's understanding of love, which really amounts to pseudo love, and the true love of the Bible, which is impersonal love. Love which is not grounded in truth is not love at all for a pastor or for church leadership to knowingly persist in false doctrine or allow false doctrine to fester in their church under the guise of programs or people teaching their little pet project here and there some of these uh, false teachers and false leadership structures believe that they are motivated by love. They're letting people teach an aggressive form of, for example, multiculturalism, which boils down to uh, an unbiblical understanding of uh, humanity and of uh, divine establishment principles themselves. Uh, There's a whole lot more I could say about that subject specifically, but let's just take it for an example. We have uh, a, a church leadership that is tolerating this teaching of, of aggressive teaching of multiculturalism and their rationale their explanation for why they would do this is well we love these people we love these people and this is what they want to hear and this is what the culture is teaching us so we'll let them persist a little longer we'll, we'll try and Keep the anchor de- dedicated, the, the anchor docked at Bible doctrine. Well, let's make sure they don't stray too far from the biblical message. But, you know, hey, they have a different point of emphasis than us. And far be it from us to say that these people are not teaching correct doctrine. Far be it from us to push back on them in an aggressive manner. We love them, and we will continue to, to let them teach this. Instead, what Paul is saying is that is not love, but the very opposite of love. To let people persist in false doctrine and a false doctrinal understanding is not loving. Love is based on truth. Love of a congregation is based on esteem for what that congregation hears taught from the pulpit. Love is based on truth. The goal of Paul's command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So again, Paul contrasts controversial speculations from the doctrine of faith alone in Christ alone, from faith perception itself, and Paul contrasts the pseudo-love that says, let's let these people continue in their false doctrinal and understandings or teaching. Let's not rock the boat too much. Let's all try and get along. Isn't that loving? Let's just all try and get along together. No, what is loving is to confront these people, for Timothy to be armed with the authority and the discipline uh, and the gravitas to confront this false teaching and put a stop to it that might not seem loving by the recipient of that fire from Paul or Timothy but it is by very definition loving because it is caring about these people's souls these people's eternal lives so hopefully you see the the difference between Pistis and Exonetes here On the one hand, we have controversial speculations, we have striving after vapor, we have striving after something that does not ultimately exist, the opposite of seeking after a definitive object. We have controversial speculations contrasted with faith, the assurance of things hoped for, confidence. The assurance of a coming reality or a reality that is certain and we have paul uh, distinguish between pseudo love which says live and let live in our culture and the love that is biblical which is based in truth well we are not done with controversial speculations uh, the doctrine of faith or the goal of the command which is love Uh, And this is where we will uh, find ourselves next Sunday picking up on the difference between controversial speculations and faith and the difference between our culture's pseudo-love and the doctrine of love uh, itself. In addition, next week we will um, study uh, the end of verse 4 in which it, uh, it says rather than advancing God's work which is by faith. Today we looked at faith, but we'll look at the term God's work and how that has impact in this verse as well. So there is plenty more to study here. There's plenty more to to, uh, take down in writing, and we will endeavor to do that starting next week. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great truth found within your word. We thank you that we can combat the myths of our culture through Bible doctrine, And we thank you that we can love our fellow neighbor by expressing to them that the myths that are prevailing in our culture today are meaningless, are not valid. We thank you that we can do that in love. We pray that you would make the things studied this morning increasingly real to us and keep us as individuals and Living Word Bible Church as a congregation centered around its first priority, which is the edification of the saints through consistent spiritual advance through the study of God's word. And now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand faultless in his pleasant presence, blameless with great joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory, majesty, dominion, and power before all time, now and forever. Amen.